Hello, friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to what is now episode 18 of the Yours Truly podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Claire Tuning. I am a registered dietitian and registered yoga teacher. As you know, I am your host, and this is a platform where I take you guys beyond macros and quote-unquote diets to talk about nutrition in a more gentle way, nutrition and life in a more gentle way, actually. But this is a lifestyle that truly nourishes your mind, your body and your spirit and allows you to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself. So on today's episode 18, we are continuing with our awesome stream of guests. I have another special special guest for you guys today. His name is Sam Miller. Some of you may know him as Sam Miller Science. Uh, You can at him, follow him on Instagram there, but he's a personal trainer and a nutrition coach. Um, So Sam, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, for anyone who maybe doesn't know who you are, hasn't had the chance to kind of get into your content and familiarize themselves with what you do, tell us a little bit about what you are, who you do, like your elevator speech, as some would say. Sure. Um, So for those of you listening, I guess if you're not following me on Instagram, I liked your, uh, that you kind of giggled when you were like, Sam Miller Science. So (laughs) basically the reason I included that in my name, one, it's a little bit of alliteration. Two, um, I am a big proponent of using more evidence-based coaching or trying to understand really the full big picture of, um, you know, it's more than dieting. And when we are pursuing particular uh, facets of nutrition or particular nutrition styles, it's really important to have kind of a full perspective of what's going on in terms of your body, how it impacts your mindset and everything else. So um, I'm currently located in North Carolina. I work with both individual one-to-one clients. We have a team of three coaches and uh, I also do some work with companies and corporations as well. So just spoke a little bit on sleep, stress management, nutrition, and general health at LinkedIn. And uh, I also am working on a men's health and hormone masterclass for Nutritional Coaching Institute, but I have plenty of lifestyle clients and folks that, um, you know, have no predisposition to hormonal issues or anything like that. It's just a topic that I find pretty interesting. And I think it's, it's good to be mindful of it for your longevity and long-term health. Yeah, um, I agree. Kind of going back to what you first said, the alliteration. I, as you probably know, I'm a huge fan of puns, also a huge fan of alliterations because it rolls off the tongue. That's how people remember you. But I really like how you kind of described your approach to nutrition as um, requiring the full perspective and wanting to view the person as a whole rather than just one component of their health or their intake. And I kind of feel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like that is what you are doing like in your life, in your business, like you're a nutrition coach, um, you advise on exercise. And like you just mentioned, you kind of have a hand in the pot of like corporate wellness and um, speaking and obviously like podcasting now kind of representing yourself in the media. So how do you balance all of that? And I guess, how did you come to um, have a hand in each one of those pots, I guess I could say? Sure. So my fitness journey started, I think, like most people just kind of as I you know, grew older and we kind of move out of our sometimes awkward, goofy teenage years and more towards college and everything. I actually got my first personal training certification when I was around uh, 18 years old. I worked, it was always a part-time job for me. I had been, you know, working at campus recreation or at different nutrition stores and things like that. So I've been interested in fitness for a long time. Uh, The corporate element or working with companies is more so because after my undergraduate degree, 
I actually uh, went to business school thinking that that was kind of my path to success, I guess you could say. But um, I've always been very passionate about nutrition because I think without the adequate support from nutrients and taking in the right food and and quality food, uh, you can still exercise, but not necessarily have a positive effect on your body. There can be kind of the detrimental effect of like a lot of exercise and not recovering from that exercise. So I definitely try and include that whole big picture. My interest in hormones uh, stems both from my personal journey, but also working with other clients as well. So it's just something that I like to include to make sure that when we're looking at nutrition, it's not just about calories, right? It's like, what are those calories doing? How do they make you feel? What are the macros doing? You know, if someone's newer to nutrition, just understanding those basics of like, it's going to come down to your habits and uh, the ultimate influence that those have in your life. So uh, the reason I'm kind of in having my hands in all of these areas is I, I really enjoy the profound one-to-one relationship from individualized one-to-one coaching. But what's awesome about going to these events or working with companies or doing presentations is you get to touch a lot of people at one time. So if there's a way to have impact in kind of multiple areas, it, it keeps things interesting for me, but I think it's also a way to just reach a wider audience. So uh, that's kind of what's led me down that path so far. Yeah, I can totally resonate with that because I, like you, I love the the personal one-on-one connection that you get when you're working individually, coaching someone through nutrition, um, lifestyle, mindset, you know, all those things that we do. But I also love speaking to groups and kind of entering my expertise, um, my goofiness into a bigger setting because that is almost um, equally as rewarding in different areas because like you said, you can impact more people, maybe people who don't have um, the means to work with you one-on-one can still um, learn from you and be in that environment of um, betterment or personal personal betterment, I guess I could say. But one thing you mentioned a couple of times, and I, we, Sam and I were actually talking before we started recording, um, that he is kind of like the hormone guy, quote unquote. And um, I don't want to take the full episode to go over this because as we were discussing, like, yes, that's a part of his practice and that's um, what you do, but you also do a lot of other things. So I want to touch on those. But um, since I do kind of have an expert on the other end of the line here, and this isn't really something that I bring to this platform personally, um, why don't you just give us a general brief overview? Because I know some people, um, you know, sometimes you may hear the word hormone and you're like, okay, I know those are important and I know I have them in my body, but I don't really know exactly what they are or what they do. So maybe give us your elevator speech for hormones, just kind of a general um, 101. Sure. Um, so hormones are, it's, it's very interesting because obviously medicine has evolved uh, over time. Science has evolved over time. Hormones are kind of something that people started studying largely in the 20th and 21st century uh, due to... Um, I guess a number of things, but as you know, we became more industrialized, has, had more technology, we came, became more aware of these things. So there were, um, I guess, different scientists and stuff that, that started to bring this up. But ultimately in English, like the word hormone comes from this Greek word that basically means like impulse or onset. So if, if you take anything away from the podcast today, remember just that like our hormones kind of have this cascade of reactions and, and they are influenced by certain things. And then whatever we're kind of triggering them to do, like if we were um, to kind of 
hop in an elevator, push a button, like we're going to go to that specific floor. So like when you put specific foods in your body, they have a certain reaction and like it causes your body to go a certain direction, like up or down. So hormones are easily influenced by the foods we eat, our stress levels, um, our exercise routines. So really a way to simplify hormones is to think of them as like something that's influenced by our habits and that we can control them uh, assuming we have no like pre-existing genetic conditions or, or medical problems or anything like that. So I always try and bring it back and keep it super simple in terms of we can be healthier and have a better hormonal profile by getting enough sleep, um, having the proper amount of exercise, eating the right amount of food for our body type and activity level. And all of those things really play into hormonal health, oftentimes in the news or, you know, if I was on a little bit more of a science hormone tangent, we'd talk about all the different ones, but mainly you know, in um, ladies, you're going to have estrogen, progesterone, um, a little bit of testosterone, and then we all kind of have thyroid hormones, uh, which regulate our metabolism and, and really can even influence things like immune function, the way we feel, energy levels, all that stuff. Uh, and then in males, we have testosterone. Guys also have estrogen as well. Uh, we just can't create it naturally. We have to convert it from testosterone to estrogen. So, uh, and then we have thyroid hormones as well. And then there are these classes of like secondary hormones, but those are going to be the primary ones that you hear about. Um, ladies, I think it's like a little more well known about certain hormones due to just kind of having monthly cycles and like dealing with whether it's pregnancy or post-pregnancy, pre-pregnancy, fertility, all of that stuff, um, and how it relates to nutrition. For guys, I think like the label of like testosterone label gets like slapped on things, but really it's just about balancing those. So like guys have estrogen too. They can have too little or too much. Like women can also have testosterone and they can have too little, too much. And having a right um, balance of those is just super important. So that would be kind of my sky high view of hormones without making it too complex to start us out. No, yeah, I think that was great. Thank you for sharing because I think for a lot of people, even what I see, like I have a degree in nutrition, like I have obviously taken classes that taught me some about hormones, but things I see in the media, and I know this applies to maybe other people listening to um, this topic that is complicated at its core doesn't get presented simply. It gets presented in a very complicated way, um, which makes people very intimidated um, with it, which makes people fear, um, fear this. So I think that general overview and kind of going over the, the primary primary hormones that we see, that we hear about, was a really great way to go about it. But one thing that you mentioned kind of when you were talking is obviously we know the levels in, of hormones in our body will fluctuate based on the day, based on the time of the month, all of these things. But um, you kind of mentioned the word imbalance and something that I see a lot or a fear that I know some people have is fearing that their wellness journey, their health journey, whatever you want to call it, is not progressing as they would like because of a hormone imbalance. And I know in a lot of cases, yes, that may be part of the reason, but also in a lot of cases, that may not be the reason why things aren't progressing or moving as one would like. So I guess my question to you is how does someone know if a hormone imbalance is the issue or if it's some other contributing factor that they're just overlooking that may actually be much simpler than something going on with their hormones? Sure. So I think this is where, you know, if you have a coach tracking your um, a lot of coaches refer to it as biofeedback, which is just a fancy way of saying like, do you feel good? Do you feel crummy? Um, and then breaking it down into categories like how are your workouts going? How are you sleeping? What's your appetite like? 
and your energy levels or you know have you gotten stronger are you able to focus at work like all these little things that sometimes we don't take inventory of on a daily basis so the first thing i would do if if you are kind of hitting a plateau is just try to cultivate a self awareness around you know why am i feeling stuck is this more of a mindset thing or am i truly physically not progressing cuz sometimes um, both men and women alike, you know, will hop on the scale or something and maybe the scale doesn't change. So we think we're making no progress. But then, you know, if we maybe took progress photos or maybe we just grabbed a handy old tape measure and, and did our waist measurement, maybe we improved and lost an inch in our waist. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important before you start blaming your hormones or, or saying you have an imbalance, like just kind of take inventory and have some self-awareness of how am I feeling week to week? Because generally you do have a hormonal problem per se, like that can be a significant medical condition. So generally you're either genetically going to be born with that, or there was some sort of trauma um, that triggered that, whether it's a head injury or um, maybe an accident or something that like either impacts your pituitary gland or your actual reproductive organs, or maybe some type of um, chronic illness. So before you jump to that, you know, I would, I would start there because it's the most simple place. If after a while, like you're still struggling with something, I would highly advise getting some, uh, you know, basic blood chemistry, blood panel um, lab work done because uh, you can't really fully get an internal picture of what's going on unless you do that. Uh, But make sure, you know, it's fairly, you're keeping your habits consistent. You're doing the right things in terms of with your food. um, And then just, you know, keeping a little maybe journal or log for yourself where, you can point out like, okay, this is why I think there might be an imbalance or something. Sometimes, you know, maybe we get fixated on the negative, but, um, you know, maybe our weight loss just hit a plateau for a little bit. Uh, But for people who really do seriously um, feel very run down or having compromised immune function or are really struggling despite their best efforts and maybe working with a coach uh, to, maybe pursue a certain body composition or weight loss goal, I would definitely advise just like, you know, get, you can get it done as part of an annual physical or you, there are even outside resources now where you can order um, like a men's or women's wellness panel, uh, just get a gauge or a pulse on, on how you're doing. I think, you know, especially as you get a little bit older, it's always good to check it periodically. It's not like something you need to do as frequently as you weigh yourself, but you know, doing it once or twice a year could be, positive just to make sure you know where something is because you're not going to know if it's good or it's bad unless you look at it. And then in addition to the blood work, like track your symptoms because sometimes, you know, you may be symptomatic or not feel great and the levels seem okay, or maybe you feel okay, but the the levels aren't great. So um, it's just important to start kind of keeping some, some records on that without making it too stressful of a a process for people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love your first piece of advice there that when you first started talking and it kind of reminds me of like just building a little bit of self-awareness. Like I think um, so often in the media and what gets talked about with nutrition, fitness, hormones, all of these things, it gets, again, really, really complicated. But what you said, kind of like the first step is simply just being a little bit more self-aware and asking yourself, like, how are you feeling? Or maybe if you have a coach that prompts those questions, like, or how are you feeling today? How's your appetite? How's your mood, all of those things that seem really, really simple. And I think we kind of tend to write off because we're so stuck in this mindset of like, 
oh, everything else has to be perfect, like my nutrition, my supplements, X, Y, and Z, without asking ourselves first, like, but how do I feel? Like, what's my baseline feeling? And I think that is a really important practice to implement because that may not only signal, like, if something is wrong in your body, but also it allows you the space to know, you know, when you're feeling good and what you're doing right. And that's something that I really encourage my clients to do. One thing that I'm curious on, kind of when you were talking through, um, you you said one thing, kind of asking yourself, how is your appetite? Um, how is your sleep? And all of those things. Something that I talk about a lot with intuitive eating, which is what I work with my one-on-one clients on, and it's um, really the easiest way to describe intuitive eating is simply um, becoming the own or the expert in your own body, because these the cues, our hunger cues, our satiety cues, we don't lose them. We are born with them. They're innate. But over time, if we're eating in a way that suppresses those natural cues, um, we just lose sight of them. So something that I work with, with intuitive eating, um, we call it the hunger scale. And obviously it's um, taking that moment of self-awareness to reflect like, am I hungry right now? Or am I full right now? What's going on inside my body? But I know a lot of times um, that can be influenced hormonally. And what I find just from personal experience here is that when someone comes to me and they're interested in a mode of intuitive eating and they want to learn more about it, they love the idea um, because maybe tracking simply wasn't for them, but they've done it for their whole life. What they find is that when they remove um, tracking or quote unquote, you know, a diet from their life is they have a little bit of trouble nailing down their hunger cues. So I'm interested to kind of hear your take on, do you think this is just um, habitual. Um, maybe they've lost it because they've just been so used to eating on a regimented schedule. Or um, do you think it's maybe a little bit more on the hormonal side? And I know everything is going to be individualized. Um, it's going to be a different answer for every person. But I am interested to kind of get your take um, on the suppression of hunger cues and if that's habitual or hormonal. Sure. Um, I think, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. It's definitely individual and it it certainly depends person to person. I'm, uh, I'm not really an advocate for meal plans or like very structured eating. Mm -hmm. Even if I, even if I have someone who's maybe an athlete and needs a certain nutritional recommendation in terms of macronutrient guidelines or hitting a certain protein goal, I do try and structure around their lifestyle where um, they aren't, you don't have to eat at the same time every day. If, if it's what works for best for your schedule and that's when you're hungry, I encourage them to, you know, divide that out accordingly and, and teach them. But part of it is somewhat intuitive. So I like that you do that. And then I do have some clients where they don't do well with the tracking and maybe it's based on portion control or like learning palms and cup size, like little tiny, just like here's how to get a serving size correctly for you. And um, one thing that, that I definitely learned kind of on my nutrition journey is taking kind of that hunger inventory before you eat and after you eat. And um, rather than just like stuffing yourself and then kind of rolling on to the next meal. So I definitely can, you know, I have an appreciation for that. I I really do think it varies though. Like certain times, like when we're sick, maybe we don't have an appetite or, um, you know, appetite regulation can be a cue for many things in the body. I wouldn't say it's always hormonal. Sometimes it could be, Uh, you know, maybe you didn't get enough sleep and you woke up at a different time. So you're not super hungry for breakfast. It's, I think it's intertwined with our habits and our lifestyle, but 
Um, I think if your body is under a lot of stress for some people that will make them very, very hungry for other folks like myself, if I'm fairly stressed, uh, I tend to lose my appetite a little bit and I'd likely eat less on a day when I was feeling that influence. So I think that would be an example of where it would be a bit more individual in terms of hunger that can tie into, you know, in guys, it could be testosterone or thyroid in women. Um, you know, obviously have a fluctuation of progesterone and estrogen throughout the month, mm-hmm. um, and could be thyroid related as well. So there's probably three or four possible outcome. Well, I'm probably more than three or four, but if I had to put them generally in like little categories or boxes for, for people listening, uh, there are a few different categories that can impact your appetite. One of those being stress, um, one could be illness and, and one could just be kind of your schedule or your routine, your habits, or, or maybe a workout that you did. Maybe it made you super hungry or, or maybe you're just, you know, worked out so hard you can't eat right away. So I've seen a lot of different responses from client to client. I'm sure you've probably experienced the same thing too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I appreciate that answer. And I think it really just speaks to the fact that, um, and I know anyone who listens to any nutrition, health, fitness podcast, they're probably sick of the professional saying, oh, it's all individualized, but here's a general answer. But it's really true. Like what is true for one person, um, another person that could be totally false for, or it could be a, a total, um, another root cause. So I think your answer really speaks well to the fact that um, it could be a couple different boxes of things as you put it, but uh, the best thing to do is speak to someone who knows you, knows your body, knows your schedule, and knows your habits to kind of nail down the root cause for you. Something um, that I love you talk about too, you kind of mentioned multiple times, habits. And um, I know you kind of said you have some lifestyle clients that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, that you kind of work more um, habit things with them. And I think habit change and kind of coaching people on their habits is sometimes more effective or more accessible, um, at least in the beginning, than tackling super crazy um, questions like, you know, hormones or optimization of nutrients, things like that. So um, I'm curious when you have those lifestyle clients or when you're kind of focusing on habits, what are maybe some of the main habits that you try to tackle first? Like if you, if someone comes to you and um, they want to feel healthier, they want to eat healthier, what are a few habits that you would look for and try to target first um, to have them feel the most impact or the most change when they start working with you? Yeah, I love that question. So my first one would be sleep. Uh, Assuming they're coming from, uh, I'm going to do kind of general population here, uh, but sleep usually, uh, it's not, you know, if there's one thing that every nutrition, exercise, medical professional, healthcare professional could agree on, it's that sleep is good for you. Um, Obviously, we don't want to be in a coma or anything like that, but a good amount, like a long, nice night of sleep uh, each night is is a good thing. It's where a lot of our hormones are produced. So for males, like slow wave sleep helps to create testosterone and females. Um, it's also very important. And we have several different like organ regeneration and and different regenerative processes that happen when we sleep and and muscle recovery and, um, kind of a break for our brain as well. So sleep is huge. Uh, water intake, depending on kind of their lifestyle, whether they're traveling or in an office all day, kind of depending on what their occupation is, but most people could benefit from drinking more water, having the right amount of water and electrolytes, especially if they're active. Mm-hmm. And then usually depending on how 
active or athletic they are will maybe have a protein bowl or something like try and have, um, you know, maybe it's either protein, veggies, fruit, like it's gonna, it's not going to be like a carb goal. Cause you know, that's probably something that's easy for everybody. It's going to be something that's maybe less intuitive that they're not already doing already. But my top two, uh, I think sleep is huge. I always wake up in the morning and like the first thing I'll do is like have some water. Uh, it's, you know, a great way to get that routine or ritual back in there. And, you know, I think the sleep example is a great example of how hormones and these very complicated fitness concepts, um, unless you are maybe a more advanced athlete or truly have a pre-existing condition. Um, so in females that could be PCOS, uh, maybe endometriosis or other, or maybe it's a thyroid Hashimoto's type thing, but unless you are maybe classified in that category, so many of these basic um, disturbances or imbalances or stress um, dysregulation like can can be solved with something as simple as sleep. Like adding adding sleep can you know give back that twenty percent decline that you had in maybe male hormones. Or um, by exercising, we improve our insulin sensitivity, which is basically our tolerance to carbohydrates. So just by being active, sleeping, drinking enough water, like you already put yourself in such a better place than someone who's maybe sedentary, not making good food choices that, you know, sometimes when we're talking about these complex topics, it's like the last 20% and like the first 80% gets missed, you know, so you can try and optimize your hormones all day long and take all these supplements or something. But if you're not sleeping, not drinking water and not exercising, like you're not going to have a great, like as ideal, you know, biochemistry by any means. Yeah. And that's why I love talking about habits because it is really back to basics and it's simplifying nutrition, health, fitness in a way that most people can make um, or strive to make an immediate change. Like it's not going to be go out and spend all this money on these supplements, um, but rather it's like, how can you sleep more? How can you carve out more time for water in your day? How can you add more fiber? All of these things that are really, really simple um, that are habit building, kind of building the foundation of your healthy house before we add on, you know, the decorations in the rooms, before we hang the pictures on the walls. Because um, if you don't have good habits with your sleep, with your water, um, with your food, if you're not fueling for, for your level of activity for your life, then none of those supplements or none of that optimization, in my opinion, is really going to matter because um, the foundation isn't firmly laid. Um, but one thing that I'm curious about um, when we're talking about habits, and I think this kind of plays into a habit that I know you would agree is important. I know it's something that I talk a lot about with with my clients, um, and you actually wrote a post on it. I don't remember how long ago it was in your social media. It was fairly recently because I remember seeing it um, in my most recent memories, but it was about stress. And in my opinion, you know, sleeping enough, drinking enough water and getting the right um, nutrients in our body is automatically a way to start to lower some of the maybe physical stress on our body. Um, but I'm curious how you think stress, I know you've kind of mentioned this multiple times already, um, but how that impacts someone's wellness journey. And maybe if someone is listening right now, um, that is maybe like, feeling stress. I know we kind of throw around the term like, oh, I'm stressed or like I'm stressed out. And I know that can have many different meanings to many different people, but um, maybe your couple tips, pieces of advice for someone who is feeling like they have a high level of um, stress in their life, what they can do to maybe um, start to lower that a little bit to push them farther in their journey. 
Sure. So I'd like to kind of zoom out and distill some stuff first, just to clarify things for people. Mm -hmm. So whenever I talk about stress, I like to talk about a couple of different things. One is acute stress versus chronic stress. And then there's kind of like our mental um, full, I guess, mental stress or um, what our person like Sam as a person or Claire as a person is experiencing relative to our physical being. So like exercise is a form of stress mm-hmm. um, because it's re- requires adaptation and recovery, but it's a good stress if you manage it appropriately. Um, you know, being in a calorie deficit could be construed as like a form of stress on your body physically, but if you manage it appropriately, appropriately, um, if you are say overweight, bringing you back to a healthy, um, weight range and, and improving, you know, your, uh, insulin or fasted blood glucose levels, like those are all really good for health and longevity. So there are stressors that are positive and then there are stressors that are negative. Now, mm-hmm. chronic stress is generally associated with things like doctor's visits and, and chronic disease and all of these things, but our mindset plays such a huge role. Um, actually, actually, Dr. Kelly McGonigal at Stanford has several theories out there that essentially if we understand that stress can be use, useful and beneficial for us, and give us energy, uh, which is essentially what cortisol does in our body. It can break down and create energy. We need a little bit of it in the morning to have a balanced circadian rhythm, wake up each day and go about our day and have energy. So basically, let's say, you know, I had a presentation a couple of weeks ago. Normally you could classify that as stressful, but rather than being like, oh, I'm so stressed or like I'm anxious, like this is terrible. Uh, just saying like, you know, yeah, I feel stressed, but this is giving me um, energy and alertness to prepare for this. And I'm excited to give this presentation because really when stress comes into our lives, it's because something meaningful is at stake is like the best way to break it down in terms of your mindset. Generally, you know, you're not going to be stressed if something isn't important. So trying to separate, okay, is this important stress or is this, am I just mad that like I'm stuck at a red light in traffic? And once we figure out what's important versus not important, we can start to reflect and shift some of our beliefs about the stress that we're experiencing. So yes, exercise is hard, but it's also good for us. And if we nourish our bodies appropriately, sleep and recover, um, it can be very beneficial stress. The same could be said for like when I gave the presentation example, you know, that was ultimately good stress for me, for my career, and turned out to be a very beneficial experience. I grew from it. I adapted. I recovered. So we kind of need to, to, to pull out and say, okay, that was an acute stressor but I could manage the acute stressor with my mindset. Chronic stress would be like if you were over-exercising all the time or a chronic stress could be an illness or a disease or chronically being malnourished or under-eating in like a severe capacity it could be chronic stress or sleep deprivation. So that's first, it's kind of like two to three little categories and then a subcategory. It's like breaking down acute chronic stress and then thinking about like physical stress versus our overall um, like human being experience. And I think it can be helpful to kind of shape and direct some of the feelings we're experiencing and um, our outlook on what we're actually going through, which sometimes could be positive and growth. And then other times maybe it's negative and we need to kind of reframe it and, uh, or, you know, step away from that experience. 
Yeah, I think that's um, a very cool way how you just laid it out because um, in my mind, kind of the word that came to my mind was reframing. And you may have even said that, like reframing, what kind of stress is this? And is it positively, like, is it helping me to improve in my life or is it negatively impacting me? And I think the stress that gets focused on a lot nowadays or when people say, oh, I feel really stressed. Obviously, we're talking about a negative type of stress that is maybe pushing us um, to, to not be our best selves or it's maybe detracting from our mindset. But I think what gets overlooked a lot is the positive um, realm of stress that you just touched on. I think a lot of people don't even view exercise as a form of stress that is positive for our bodies. Or um, I think we just have this really negative connotation around the word stress, when in some cases, yes, it may be negative. Yes, it may be negatively impacting your life. But in other cases, we can use it to push ourselves farther in our career goals, to um, push ourselves farther in becoming the best version of ourselves. Um, But it's kind of a question that came to my mind while you were talking. um, And this definitely kind of falls back into the category of um, the societal definition of stress where someone says, oh, I'm stressed. So it's like definitely kind of an acute stress question, but um, do you think that kind of our fascination these days with um, quote unquote, like eating clean or being super healthy or crushing our goals or um, kind of making sure that we're tracking everything to a T, do you ever think that that fascination, or I'm going to call it an obsession in a light sense of the term. Um, Do you think that can be an actual source of negative stress that sets someone back rather than pushes them forward? I don't even know if that made sense, but do you kind of catch my drift? Yeah. 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 Um, So this is where I'll kind of come back to like a life without stress wouldn't be super meaningful. Um, or be kind of boring because uh, there are things we care about. Like I'm sure, you know, when you got your degree, there were times when it was stressful, but now you're like very passionate and have your yeah, pushing yeah. business. And there's a lot of positive that came from it. I do agree that there are some folks that don't ever incorporate a break in their tracking macros or exercise and um, the grind every day, train every day. Like there have been times where maybe I was preparing for a competition or had a particular goal that I needed to train every day and train pretty hard. But within that, there were built in days that were lighter or easier or like, I think, first of all, it's like, if you are out there and misguided and not understanding, like maybe you're following someone on Instagram and they're not setting the best example of this. Like what a lot of those people don't share is not all seven days of those workouts were like equally difficult. Maybe one was just kind of like a go in and I'm going to be active or work a particular thing, but I'm not, you know, it's not kind of overreaching every single time. And I think with the tracking, um, I am definitely one for taking periods of, um, you know, maybe I'll focus on the eating and figure out what my portions are. And then I'll have times where I'm following intuitive eating and, um, you know, not tracking a macro today was a very, busy day for me. Like this will obviously be be released at a later date, but between client calls of prospective client and two podcasts, and then talking to a media guy to, you know, work with my company, I, it won't exactly be like a normal eating schedule and tracking macros would be like quite difficult. But if I know like my portions and roughly what macronutrients are coming from those, um, I can still stick to a successful plan. So 
kind of like quick answer to your question. Yes, I definitely think there are people who are stressing themselves out by a certain rid, like rigidity um, or to their approach or by blindly following people who maybe are not coaching them. And just because it works for them doesn't mean it necessarily um, works for the follower. So I would definitely say that that's pretty key and important to st- step back and like figure out like different people are going to be stressed by different things. Some people don't mind tracking macros and they get a lot of enjoyment out of like the Tetris like puzzle that comes with it. Other people it's overwhelming um, at first. So it's like all about, I think that's where having a coach can come in to like help make things less overwhelming and less stressful for you. Cause you can break it down into digestible pieces. And then once it's in a routine, um, those things that you mentioned that, that are kind of popping out in our culture, uh, I think with the help of a coach breaking it down and distilling it for you, it can become a lot less overwhelming. Yeah. And I think something that you said there, I mean, it kind of circles back to our conversation earlier about everyone is an individual. Everyone is unique and what stresses me out, quote unquote, may not stress you out or um, on the flip side. And I think to anyone listening, um, if you're like searching for your definition of health or what's going to work best for you and your own body to get you closer to your goals, whether that's mindset, performance, you know, optimization, whatever it is, um, it's finding someone who kind of understands that um, and who can put you on a a successful plan or a successful path to that. But something that um, you also said a second ago that uh, piqued my curiosity for one of our final questions here, you kind of hinted on something that I see or I perceive happening a lot in the media where um, someone has had really great success with some program. Um, I don't know like what their background is, how long they've been doing it, but it appears as if they've had great success and they're all gung ho talking about what they did, what worked for them, like what they ate, how they slept, how they trained. Um, and then they want to take that personal success and then they want to sell it as a program or, um, something to teach other people, which, you know, what we just said, everyone's an individual and what works for person A may not, will not, should not work for person B. Be, but that's kind of sparked my curiosity and a question for you because that is something that really rubs me the wrong way in the media. That's kind of one of my pet peeves, but I'm curious to know um, what is something that you see a lot that either drives you nuts or that you really try to combat in your personal program um, so that there's less of that out there. Definitely. I love that. Um, so I, just a quick side note, because I think you'd enjoy it because Sometimes we have a similar sense of humor. Uh, I actually have like kind of a punny video about this. Yeah. Um, And I make a joke about um, doing like, I'm like intermittent fasting and like wearing this mask. And then I'm also like on a vegan ketogenic diet. So like I'm only eating like plant fats, but no carbs. (laughs) And like it's, yeah. So um, I'm kind of ridiculous sometimes, but so on, on that note though, I think like, okay, are you an attorney that like has to pay attention in the morning and you're dropping your kids off at school and you don't have time to eat and like, you're not hungry anyways. Okay, cool. Like maybe a slight intermittent break in your eating schedule is okay for you. Um, if you are a female that's very hungry in the morning and you only eat like a certain amount per day and you're like maybe working on your fertility or something like probably not the best idea to have like the longest gap inner eating window if it's making you like upset and not nourishing your body and, and all those things. So it's definitely a huge pet peeve. I have a lot of folks coming to me now following 
multiple fad diet styles intertwined into one. So like they're intermittent fasting, but also ketogenic. I actually had three in the last like 45 days. So roughly every like week or two, I will have a new client that is both periodically intermittent fasting and also restricting their carbohydrate intake. And for me, I, you know, it's both a frustration in terms of the media and like the deprivation mindset that that creates and lack of balance around like you can accomplish your goals with like several different approaches. There's not, you know, if intermittent fasting works for you, great. If you hate carbs, um, you know, if you want to do that for the rest of your life, like I'm not going to force beliefs on you. Like I'm a very big believer in like structuring routines that are sustainable for your individual clients. So like if certain things make them feel certain ways or we need to move things around, I think it's your job as a coach to create something that they can be adherent to and incorporate things that they like. So let's say they do like that, but maybe they're not eating enough. Like how can you um, adjust that restriction? But long story short, aside from my silly video, I would just say, I do see my, my pet peeve would just be people not being clear that yes, this diet worked for me. Uh, it may have worked for all these testimonial stories that I'm sharing with you. Um, and it worked for me because X, Y, Z, they don't go that far. It's just like, I lost 20 pounds following slim fast and intermittent fasting or whatever. And the truth is like, okay, well, maybe that worked for you because of your schedule and what like the context, like there's a lack of context and then people create this like self-application to themselves. And I'm, I'm okay with like, I think we all start in this good place in the health and fitness industry of like, all right, let's educate people. Let's make people healthier. Let's make people more fit and confident in their skin. And that's all like a wonderful mission. Uh, but with that, we also have a responsibility to educate. And that's why like, I'm, um, you know, one of my like sayings for my company is leveraging con- complex concepts into leverage for your goals. Like even the most complicated things should be able to work in your favor. If you have someone that can break them down for you, distill them and like make them easy to understand. So, you know, if I had to come up with a pet peeve, it's like, there should be some sort of like, not disclaimer, but I definitely do get frustrated when it's like, okay, like you probably don't need to be like a ketogenic vegan or like an intermittent fasting, like on ketones or like in all like, or, or, or maybe just like the diet culture, like the fact that there needs to be a diet break, like dieting for a goal for a period of time is wonderful if it makes you feel good about yourself, but you should not be on a diet like 365 days per year. And by diet, I'm using it synonymously with like a calorie deficit created by some sort of like fad elimination of a particular macro. Uh, so if I had to pinpoint my, my pet peeve, it would be the 365 day, like year round diet culture. And also, um, just a lack of like clear messaging around like these are individual styles that can be applied in their own way, but they're not really meant to be mixed. If that makes sense. Um, so maybe those two 
be like what I would stick with as like my pet peeves. Yeah, I know that's a hard question to answer because I know as nutrition professionals, we all have like a bajillion pet peeves that we see. Um, But I think for me, something that comes to mind when you were talking, it's really separating um, and being able to offer a professional opinion versus a personal opinion. And I think what I see a lot in the media, it's like, like you said, kind of joking, like I lost 20 pounds on some fast, like that is a personal opinion. Yeah, that worked for you. And of course, like in my own personal diet, I have strong opinions and I know what works for me and I know what I eat. But when it comes to my client, yes, of course, I'm targeting a specific kind of client and everyone who works with me um, does want to learn how to eat intuitively. And that's kind of the framework that we work in. But again, in that framework, everyone is individual and I'm always there to offer my professional opinion, what I know based on my schooling, based on my experience, what I think will work best for them rather than what works best for all of my other clients. Because um, one of my mottos or my missions, I love how you just offered yours, which is very cool. And it has a very nice ring to it. But mine is, um, you know, I want you to become the best version of you to your standards. I'm simply here to help you do that. I don't want you to become the best version of you to my standards. Um, and I think there is a, a big difference in that. And I think as coaches, that one of the best things we can do um, is to obviously support someone in their wellness journey and be there to help them do that rather than to support them through what we think their wellness journey should be like. So I love that. Um, Sam, I want to be respectful of your time, but before we wrap up, um, I do have a final question, but I just want to thank you so much for carving the time out of your day. You are a busy man, busy podcasting, coaching man. So I want to thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to uh, talk with your audience and I think you have, um, you know, I appreciate the unique message that you're sharing and kind of the, the overlap there. So it's, it's cool to see because I think at first glance, like if people kind of judge books by their covers, they'd be like, wait, like Sam and Claire, like collaborating on this thing. But like, we really have like similar missions. It's just sometimes presented um, in different ways or like what I do may seem complex, but oftentimes with my clients, like we're in similar conversations that like Claire may be having or just because I like protein or like I eat, you know, a steak doesn't mean that I don't understand or support or respect like veganism or someone who chooses to be a vegetarian yeah. on a particular diet plan. So I think that was a great point. It's just like kind of meeting people where they're at. And uh, I definitely respect that about you. And I'm grateful for uh, our time together on the podcast today. Yeah, of course. And I think the coolest thing about collaborating with people who um, have slightly different approaches, like you said, I know some people are gonna be like, what? Like, like you said, Sam and Claire on the same podcast, what? Um, But I think the cool thing about it is when you kind of strip down the ideologies and maybe your exact approach, our goals for our clients are more or less the same, right? We just want them to be confident and feel their healthiest. But um, the way we get there with them may be a little bit different. But again, that's just where it comes back to individual and personalization and what personal preferences. So for our last question, the question that I always end my podcast with, since I focus on gentle nutrition, having a gentle mindset in your approach to life, business, whatever it may be. um, How are you, Sam, working to live more gently with yourself? Meaning how do you live every single day um, being the best version of yourself, but giving yourself the space um, to not beat yourself up over any one thing that goes wrong? All right. So 
I'm going to admit like a little bit of a weak point here and some vulnerability. So I've always, I'm always like looking outward and onward to the next thing. I've always been a person that like kind of over commits to activities and it's just part of my like personality and perception of achievement. So I'm definitely working as I'm pursuing my goals to continue to carve out um, for basic, you know, things for myself. Um, great example, like yesterday, just like taking a step back and like spending some time with my dog or I'm really into the music. So like, I like to carve out the space to play guitar or um, read and, and things like that. So in trying to be more gentle with myself, I'd say most specifically, it's like um, a mix of restoration and, um, I think as you grow to new levels, your current level of self-belief, like also has to grow and evolve. Like I kind of use the example of, it's like kind of like shedding a layer or a skin. So, um, and there's definitely a difference between confidence and, and self-belief. Uh, so that's probably a whole nother podcast, but I've always been like a pretty confident person, but um, when you're in this like uncharted territory on a journey, like, like continuing to have that self-belief. So, uh, long story short, my two things for that mindset and being gentle with myself would be, uh, restoration and, uh, like that personal encouragement and self-belief in it, even in like uncharted new territory. Yeah. I love that. And I, I'm going to have to like mull over that idea. You just brought up more. Maybe you should create some content around this. The fact that as you grow, um, your level of self-belief has to grow as well. I've, that's a, a really cool way to put it. And I never thought of it that way, but I 200% agree. Um, well, Sam, this has been great. If anyone is hearing you, um, wanting to learn more about what you do, how you do it, wants to find that uh, video that you were talking about. I know I definitely want to find that. Um, how, can they find you on social media and how can they connect with you? Sure. Um, so to make it nice and easy from an organizational standpoint for podcasts and messages like this, um, if you enjoy free content and learning, we do have a featured content page on our website, which is oraclefitness.com. So um, we'll probably get Claire up there and, and all of our previous collaborations and uh, it's a great, great resource for people just trying to learn. As far as my silly videos, stories, dog photos, shenanigans, uh, my personal Instagram is similar science as Claire mentioned the alliteration. So all one word. And then our uh, company for Oracle training and nutrition is Oracle underscore coaching. So we'll do some informative videos, uh, infographics and stuff. And then I think like my be in intermittent fasting video might be on there as well. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoy it. I'm usually fairly active on there. We have some videos on Facebook as well. So always feel free to reach out and ask questions if there's anything that I can help you with on your journey. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You heard it here. The first person to find the vegan intermittent fasting video wins. Um, but Sam, thank you so much for your time today. I highly encourage anyone who is interested in learning more about him and more about what he does, check him out on social media. And of course, um, if you are loving what you're hearing here on the Yours Truly podcast, um, please don't hesitate to leave me some stars, leave a comment, rating, review. Let us know what you learned. Let us know what your takeaway from this episode. And if you're feeling super pumped after hearing this episode, don't hesitate to take a screenshot, share it on social media so that we can continue to grow and bring more awesome, gentle, life-loving messages to you guys. But that's all we have for today. Yours, Julie, Sam, and Claire. <laughs>